Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome to the new episodes of Radio Rehab. I'm Dana, and I'm a recovering addict and an alcoholic. I'm clean and sober right now, but I've struggled with the disease of addiction for most of my adult life. It began when I was a teenager. I've had bouts of sobriety, and even during the bad times, there's always been some part of me that wanted to live life the right way, the way I am now. This show isn't just for addicts, it's for everyone. Some of my guests will be familiar to you, but their stories will be new, heartbreaking, and awe-inspiring. If you aren't one of us, you surely know us. We are your wives. Your husbands. Your daughters. Your sons. And we've gone through hell to get to the other side. This show is dedicated to the ones who didn't make it. Welcome to another episode of Radio Rehab, The Relapse. I'm your host, Dana. If you would like to email, it's radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. If you would like to call or text, it's 415-496-9511. On the Facebook, the Instagram, and the Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab. Dana, I am here in studio today. We have two special guests. One is Doug Hames, CEO of Lyric Recovery Services, and also Dr. Katie Parker, who, who, what, how did you refer to her, Doug, as the Google of treatment? The Google of treatment. Okay. In, the Google of treatment in the United States, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I was always called the Google of useless knowledge, so that's, <laughs> that's a really awesome thing to be, what you have right now. So, we were discussing earlier, uh, kind of what the topic of the show is, um, last Last Radio Rehab Relapse show we had on uh, Dr. Genevieve's and uh, Chloe, Dr. Genevieve's from Sierra Tucson and Chloe from my life. And the whole, it was about the naltrexone implant. And what this brings up for me is how 30 days is a spin dry and it's not enough treatment. And if you're an addict, if you're an addict, anything like me, you know, maybe there are addicts who are kind of diet addicts and they just use on the weekends. But if you're anything like me, you need more than that, and that's what you guys provide, right? So, Doug, do you want to talk about what what Lyric is again for those who didn't see that, hear that show? Absolutely. Thanks for having us on again. You're welcome. We were on a, a, about two months ago, and, and uh, I brought on a couple of friends, uh, and they were very important uh, to me and to the process uh, that we offer through Lyric Recovery, which is a uh, entire treatment option, I like to call it. So we are an intensive outpatient center located in San Jose, uh, we uh, were born from an idea from uh, the, the founder of Lyric, who is Donna Miller, and I wanted to put a shout-out to Donna, my Irish buddy. Uh, <laughs> we worked together in a residential treatment facility for the county, and we you know, wanted to provide uh, something more. We wanted to provide something out of the box, so to speak. We wanted to provide uh, a treatment option that not only took care of you know, the, the actual addiction itself, but we treated, we want to treat the mind, the body, and the spirit. And that's what we bring to the to the table at Lyric Recovery. Which We're, is great, because it's a biopsychosocial disease, that's as right. Terry Gorski said. So that's right. I, I love that. I love that. I love anything that offers more than 28 days, because <laughs> I've done 28 days, and what I did after that was drink and use. So, <laughs> I mean... It's, you just need you need more. And so you were saying when people uh, come to you and, and maybe they're looking for something that you guys don't offer, that's where 
Dr. Katie Parker comes in. Will you tell us a little bit about what you do? Of course. So I am what's considered a treatment placement specialist. (laughs) It's a lot of fancy words. And what that really means is if you have a need for treatment of any sort, any kind, for anything, I find it for you. Whether it be residential or outpatient like Lyric or if it's I need an EMDR therapist or I need a chronic pain specialist. I need a, a doctor that specializes in chronic pain. Or I need a program that specializes in trauma, eating, dual diagnosis, you name it. Anything that it. needs a 12-step anything, type of program. Any, even anything that is 12-step alternative. So some people come in and they already have their mind made up. But I'm not, do, I'm on, not doing AA. Based on nothing. Right, um, yeah. They're not going to do AA. <laughs> they're, they're totally, they ban it and they will not go to treatment if there's not an alternative offer. So I know places that off, actually offer alternatives to that. So that we can get them clean and sober, and even though they have their judgment and their reservation. Totally. Right. And almost all switch and become very, a big fan of AA. Right. When they realize it's easier, <laughs> it's not out to get you. And that there's so many different meetings. I'm like, well, how many drinks did you try before you got hooked? Yeah. Could you, could you try some meetings? Some right. ones then? Maybe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or different, ty- yeah, different types of therapy or anything like that. I right. mean, so... Do you, you guys, so at Lyric, though, you guys don't offer, th- do you guys offer EMDR, just out of curiosity? We don't. We brought we don't. that up? Because I know that's something, because I had, I, I suffer from PTSD, and that was something at one point in my life I really needed, because uh, cognitive therapy wasn't working for me anymore. Um, the thing that really made EMDR not work for me is that I was drinking during the time that I was going to EMDR. Darn it. I don't recommend that to anyone. <laughs> if you're going to do EMDR, try it sober. It's a lot. It's a whole new world. Um, but yeah, but I know it's, it's an interesting thing. And I, when I went, there was one treatment center I went through in LA called cry help and, uh, they were all about biofeedback and they were doing these biofeedback, um, type things. So what different things do you guys offer at Lyric besides, um, quite a few, quite a few different modalities. So, so we, we offer dialectic behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, refuge recovery, which is a Buddhist type of a view. So it's, oh, a, it's, a, interesting. it's a phenomenal meditative type of a refuge of a, recovery. Refuge recovery, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, and I know so many people who are going to be jumping all over that. That's because oh, I know so many people who are like, "Well, I think AA is stolen from Buddhism." <laughs> you know, it's all it's the reservations that you hear. It's like, okay, well, here's this for you. Just go do something, please. That's right. That's right. They have meetings all over too. Do they? Yeah, you can That's look them great. up, and they have you know meetings in San Francisco, San Jose, Santa Cruz. They have little chapters everywhere, and free meetings just like AA. That's great. I know. I know so many people who would be into that. That's really interesting. Uh, another thing we were talking about earlier is um, uh, Dr. Katie Parker. <laughs> I have to say your whole name for <laughs> some reason. I, just like, I like the way it sounds. You said, you said anybody who chooses to work in this field, to work in the field of addiction and recovery, has a reason behind it. And I'm just wondering, what is yours? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> I was married to... Still, I married him, but he was an addict for the first six years of our marriage. Um, hardcore alcoholic, progressed like it always does. Yeah. Um, why stop at alcohol? Why not throw cocaine in the mix? Let's right. Do that because you can drink can, more. We can really have a nice bipolar experience that way. <laughs> so I was living with him. We had a daughter. Yeah, I was going to fix it by having a kid. Yeah, that didn't work. So um, a few years after she was born, I really just got done. I realized that all I was doing was waving my hands around, getting upset with him. I really wasn't calling any boundaries, though. I wasn't drawing lines in the sand. I said I was. I told myself I was. Mm-hmm. But all I was doing was saying, like, basically, you can just do this. I'll get angry, and we'll move on. 
Right. And so his pattern continued. My pattern continued until the day I locked him out, gave him 10 minutes to pack a bag. And he ran the race again for like two weeks, lived with his drinking buddy. And then he decided he wanted to save his family and he didn't want to lose everything. So good choice. Mm -hmm. Um, He asked me where he should go. And I said, I really don't know. And I don't care. It's not my business. I'm done trying to control your drinking. Clearly, it's not working. So he um, moved in with my mom and then went to a day program. Wow, that's that's new. <laughs> and he, th- in those days, most places did not accept insurance on the residential level. And they couldn't afford oh, okay. to go to residential. Um, so the day program was somewhat covered by insurance, which now is considered a PHP or partial hospitalization program. So he went there like nine to six every day and then would come home, stay with my mom. She would search his bags, search his person, smell his breath and basically give him urine tests. That is really <laughs> interesting because I, there's no way being married to somebody you can put yourself in that role. That would n- I understand that would not work. And you don't want to do it Mm-mm. like you didn't sign up to be a cop. Like, that's no. not your idea. And I tried like, that for six years. It didn't work. Yeah. Like, me monitoring the system didn't work. Right. And like, it doesn't feel doing. good. No. But, so, but your mom said, fine, I'll do it. My, well, he, you know, my mom said, you know, he's asked if he could stay here while he's going through it. What do you, you know, what do you think? And I said, you do whatever you want. You're, it's your house. And so how long, how long did you do that for? How long did that go on? He did uh, a 60-day program um, every day. And then I allowed him after 60 days to move back in. Um, see his daughter, you know, start mm-hmm. be, being a parent again, um, repair whatever relationship he would have with her and try to hopefully repair one with me. When we um, moved from Los Angeles, it was really soon after that. And I still said, the jury's out. I don't know if we're going to still be together. I need time. You took six years of my life. So I need some time now. And really what it was, as I gave away six years of my life, I co-signed on every bit of that. That was not him with a problem. It also was me with a problem. Yeah. So unless I stopped, he couldn't stop. Right. So as you were saying earlier, this CEO, chief enabling officer, of the, which <laughs> not, every not like Doug, not but, the not the CEO, no, not that guy, but a chief guy. enabling. We, but every addict and alcoholic needs one. Absolutely. I mean, right, otherwise, you're alone on your board. What are you going to do? Like, every addict and alcoholic has one. Yeah, we have to. Or they'd be sober. We demand one. <laughs> no. Well, I don't know if we'd all be sober, but I mean, you know, when we're not ready to quit, of course we need that. And, and everybody kind other. of falls into their roles. Mm-hmm. But so at what point at what point did you go, okay, I'm going to work in this field? <laughs> in fact, I was like, I will not work in addiction. That's actually what I said. Really? That worked out well. Um, so I went into my doctoral program for psychology, and I thought, I do not want, like, addiction, done that. Already. Right. I grew up a little sister of an addict. So eight years, her junior. So I knew how to be in relationship with the addict. Are we confused that I pick somebody with an addiction issue? No, we're not. So um, here I go into psychology. I really want to be a psychologist. Greg, you're great. I do not want to work in addiction. And one of the only training programs that had this great clinical supervisor was in a methadone clinic in the Tenderloin. So been there. Oh my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's okay. That's so, that's so interesting. <laughs> so, so you can, so is that where you, you did your hours? Or yeah. Where I mean my, you have to have so many hours. And so my first mm, 15 
100 hours were done in the methadone clinic. And then I chose to stay because I loved it. So I actually wow. did an internship there. And then I stayed there and started a mental health program there. Like, I just stayed. They couldn't get rid of me. You started the mental health program there? Yes. I That's so that. interesting because I swear I've heard about that. Everybody was always talking about because I, I mainly would do the SF General one. And everybody was talking about how the Tenderloin one was so much better. It was just also like... You know, you're basically handed crack in that area when you walk down the street. Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> we can help you with the heroin yeah, situation. Exactly. But then we get you hooked on Here's crack. Here's some cocaine you're... to chase that methadone right out your body. <laughs> great. You know? But, you know, what's so funny that you mentioned that because I, I I hated the whole methadone experience. But my the counselors there were just great people. Mm-hmm. Like, I think about contacting them all the time. They're like, there are, some, there are some people in there who cared. I mean, even the people who just administer the juice. Like, we're good people. Everybody in there, you know, besides some of the crackheads that were getting dosed, like the people who worked there, they were great counselors. Like they, I actually like benefited from talking to them. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So you started the mental health. So I was still in my internship and my, the clinical supervisor who I fell in love with, obviously, and why I just stayed with her this whole time, she wanted to start a mental health program. They got a grant. And so she was the director of it. And so people could come in and get free psychological services, free medication, psychiatric services. I was doing family therapy, couples therapy, individual therapy all in a methadone clinic. So people didn't even have to be on methadone to come in. It could be anyone in the community who didn't have insurance, couldn't afford treatment somewhere else. We were providing treatment for them. Interesting. How did they find how would they find out about it? Um if they're not on methadone and it's in the methadone clinic, was it part of like healthy San Francisco or, you know, they found out somehow, you know, word on the street gets around. Right. <laughs> so right. I'm sure there's like somewhere like the bathrooms at the BART station or there's and like the doctors, little... you know, community doctors right, right. let them know, you know, and that kind of thing. And so, um, a lot of the, um, like those monthly kind of help for the homeless, they would also promote, like you can go get other help for yourself. It's not just about finding Oh, like housing. GA. Right. right. So they would just, spread the word and next thing you know I mean we were full that is that's amazing but so you don't you no longer do that that I was no just when you were getting that. your hours and then and then from there where did you move to um so I went to pri- into private practice I was really bored doing that next to a methadone clinic that's kind of like leaving an emergency <laughs> hospital room and going and sitting on a couch it was just like, right what so I was like okay that's not working so I went back to more of the private sector and I became the clinical director of a very small rehab in the Santa Cruz mountains. And I saw kind of how treatment is not supposed to be done. And oh, wow. I got, That's why you didn't say the name of the I did not. Um, <laughs> I was picking I don't up the, bad mouthing people. Right. Gotcha. Um, they know who they are. Um, yeah. So I really saw how treatment shouldn't be done and I wanted to do something different and I wasn't helping enough people in private practice. Like it wasn't reaching enough. So I finally got the opportunity to become a, this treatment placement specialist for Acadia Healthcare. They're the largest provider of healthcare in the nation. Uh-huh. And so they came up with this role. There's about 45 of me across the country. So if I don't know something, somebody I'm in touch with who does. Right. Okay. So what, and so where do people, would, would people go to find you or any of these people? What's the yeah um, website or? Uh, you know, we should have our own websites, shouldn't we? But yeah, because um, how do they find you? Uh, you know, word of mouth, it's amazing how much they find me. Doctors know about me, so they tell their clients. Other therapists know about me, and they tell their clients, or they tell the families in need, or someone's neighbor told them. I don't know how they find me. But what the name of the health practice? What did Acadia, you say? Acadia? What yeah, is that? A-C-A-D-I-A. Acadia Healthcare. They're based out of Tennessee, but they are the largest healthcare provider. They used to be known for, like, level one psychiatric hospitals. Wow. Like, lockdown. 
Then they bought CRC. CRC owned a bunch of recovery programs, recovery from everything. Sierra Tucson's one of them, actually. Oh, okay. Bayside Marin locally is one of them. So a bunch of recovery programs that treat a variety of things. They acquired them some total. CRC no longer existed. Acadia is now the parent company of so many facilities, like over 500, I think, now. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that so Acadia is where they would they could go through there to find people like you who do what you do to get referred to some to a place if it's if it's a mental health issue or even addiction issue. Absolutely. Or a chronic pain issue or a trauma issue. I mean, you name it. We can so find it. I have a question about the chronic pain thing. So you're saying chronic pain mm-hmm. issue or do you look for alternative ways to deal with chronic pain as opposed to because, you know, people are med seeking. That's just. A thing, even though it's probably going to be so much harder for those med-seeking addicts now. like That's why heroin's on the rise. I know. <laughs> I can't even tell you. That, the scariest thing to me was when I was using, and I would see these kids from, like, Mill Valley, and I'm looking at them going, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, you still see an exit sign. I don't. Go home. And they were like, well, I was buying Oxys, and it's like 80 bucks a pill. And so I figured I'd just do heroin. I'm like, oh, my God. That is not why That is not why people do it. But, okay, it is now. It is now. That's the new thing, Our, you know, kids who are addicted to Oxys. And it's, it sucks. And that's why I'm all about this naltrexone implant. I, I, I hope more people get it, especially if you've got a kid who's underage. Stick that thing in them. If they're hardcore enough to do surgery on their own self to take it out, let them go because <laughs> – because right. they're crazy because exactly. they're gone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I, yeah, that's it's it's really important. And I think that there's too many people now getting hooked on a variety of things for reasons. But chronic pain is one of the number one contributors. Even if people aren't abusing it, they're hooked mm-hmm. on their medication. Yeah. Because Naturally, because it's yes. an opiate. They and are... you if you stop. Yeah, you hurt. Exactly. And, you know, we know that taking opiates actually reduces our body's natural ability uh, to yeah. withstand pain. So it kind of works against the system a little bit. Yeah, like you think your foot's okay and you walk on it and then you yeah. break it. Yeah. Right. Not good. So there's many programs that treat chronic pain and the addiction piece side by side to kind of treat it differently than it ever has been treated. Normally, we throw a bunch of pills at it. Yeah. That's and right. I know I've been good. in treatment center with people. They would still let do their methadone dose. And it was like... God, you're, you're sitting in here in a group and somebody's just scratching and nodding, you know, because they no longer have a habit. They're just being fed opiates. It's it's like it's hard to watch. But the, I was going to ask you, Doug. So what do you do when people call you when they want to come in? You know, they want to go through lyric recovery services and they come in, but they've got this. They're on pain pills or, you know, they're doing a methadone detox or. It's a, it's a great question. I mean, you know, the, the first thing that we do, any client, you know, that comes in, I, I want to see him face to face. You don't I do phone consults? doesn't work. doesn't yeah. work. I want to see him face to face, get, get eyes on him, you know, get a feel for, you know, what's really going on in their life. We do a full assessment on the client. Uh, and through that assessment process, we'll dictate whether or not, you know, we're able to provide them the services that we have at Lyric or I send them over to Katie. And, and, and that's really, you know, that's why I love having her in my corner because she has so many resources resources she's a great resource for us and i and and with that with this team here you know we're able to put anybody that comes you know with a need you know to do something different in their life we put them in the best possible position to win right we put them in that position you know and and sometimes that means even if they have money or they have good insurance our program's not going to work for them and and we're ethical at lyric we're gonna. That's in, nice to we're hear. Put them in a situation where they're so many people aren't. I know so many. You see it. I mean, I, again, you know, I'm not, I don't badmouth any any place either, but I can yeah. tell you that us that our 
our mindset and our passion is recovery. And we want to see clients that come in, you know, with, with this disease be successful. Yeah. And whatever that looks like, that's what we get done. That's I mean, that's awesome to hear. I was I've been in, in so many treatment centers where it was all about taking money. You know, I had this this you know money from like acting as a child and all this. I have like a trust fund and it's gone because of people who are like we're going to take seventy five thousand dollars a month to do nothing. You know, like right. it's like and I wasn't ready and I wasn't. But it's like when I went through uh, Women's Recovery Association in Burlingame, it was free. And I actually got something out of it, and I stayed sober, and that that was really helpful. So I mean, I appreciate that. If, if like people wanted to run, they let them go. Right. It's like, and I I can kind of see you're the same way. You're not gonna go. Oh yeah, we can help you when the person maybe has some kind of like crazy trauma going on or something that you guys don't deal with or can't legally deal That's with. Right. If it's out of our scope, you know, we certainly know where to where to send the client to, uh, and and we know that they're gonna get the help they need within a, a reasonable amount of time. Anybody I send to Katie. I mean, she calls them and, and, and they're already are meeting or scheduled a meeting within 24 hours. Oh, that you, you're that quick. She's fast. I am. Wow. But, well, and, That's you know, cool. Whether or not I can meet them in person or we get have a conference call with everybody who is, you know, involved in the situation, sometimes we do that. And then I can kind of hear from different people what's going on. Oftentimes the addict never gets on the phone. Really? Yeah. So oftentimes, who, who gets on the phone? It's usually the CEO of the family, right, who's going to try to control right. the addiction by sending them away or, you know, because when they go get fixed, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I need my family to be fixed. So right. you, you take this yeah, addict. Little Johnny, he's the addict, so he needs to go away and get fixed. Right. And then everyone else is going to be happy. Not the case. So first it's about education for them, for the family, to let them know really what's going to go on, that Johnny's not the only one with the problem. That it's a system problem. The whole family needs help, not just Johnny. That's my sponsor was talking about that last night. I love that you said that. She, I mean, she was talking about how she um, sent her her child in to go get fixed, and they were like, "Oh no, no, no! You're not going anywhere. You have a huge part in that." And it, it's just, it's like it takes like, a huge amount of willingness mm-hmm. to be able to go. Oh, okay, I'm going to do my part then too. And, and it's like I can imagine how sad it would be though to see they're like, okay, fix my son or fix my daughter. And you're like, okay, then you're going to come to this family group and, and you're going to learn what your problem is. And they're like, no, that, that must be sad. Do you ever see cases I do, like that? I do. And I hear a lot of resistance of it's not my problem. It's not me. This is him. He's always been like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage them to go to Al-Anon. I encourage them to get a therapist if they don't have one. And I can recommend therapists for them who understand the dynamic of addiction and how it permeates through the entire family it's not just the one suffering everybody's right. suffering by the time residential's needed yeah so everyone's suffering yeah it's, it's invaded everybody's space so understanding that that it's a family problem and that it's a lifelong problem it's something you have to pursue and stay at to stay sober to stay together to keep clean healthy boundaries you know it's really hard for people yeah. So kind and of to throw them. their stuff out that they have in the house. It's like they're like, what? We have dinner parties and we have wine. It's like so you can't have that in the house if it's a kid who has to live in the house with you. Right. Exactly. And I often recommend that they don't go home if they can. That's the best. Not to go not home. Go home. Um, right. That would be ideal because yeah. there's so many triggers, you know, in that environment that they're, they're, not, so they're not in their awareness yet. They're Even not just there. looking in the same wall that you were looking at last time you were trying to figure out like how to kill yourself. I right. mean, it's just, it doesn't help. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it's the <laughs> it worst. Really, yeah, it really doesn't help. So, so that's, yeah, but so like the whole long-term thing, like we were talking about, Doug, is, is they come to you, like, so like last time you were on this show, um, 
so the, it comes not not it comes with as a package, but there's three separate people. So there there's the um, why can't I think of the word? The intervention <laughs> specialist, the intervention specialist who comes in and then he will talk to the family and he will take the addict with him and bring him bring him to treatment. Sometimes the addict won't go. But if he does, he takes them. So he does the intervention. He deals with the family. He brings them to treatment. And then they get to you. And then there's Lyric Recovery Services treatment. And then there's a sober living, which is also a separate entity. That's correct. So it's like this whole thing. And then now there's psychiatric services, which you can offer. So now it's really like Hazelden, but long, but bigger, there's but long term. And everything lot, is there's there. There's a lot to it. And, and it really, you know, through... Uh, education, which would, which is what Lyric provides and, and, and Katie provides, uh, and, and then implementation on their part uh, over a long period of time, you know, longer than 30 days. Right. Yeah. Longer than 30 days. With the resources that we have, you know, we're, we're seeing positive results from that. And, and, and it, it, just, it just makes our job and makes going to work every day just that much better. You know, we, we have a passion for anybody that's coming in. You know, we, we know what it feels like to, to you know, that, to, to feel that pain. We, we know it. We see it. Uh, you know, we can feel it, and we can certainly guide them in the right direction, whether it be through Lyric or, or with Katie, through Katie Healthcare. Phenomenal results as well, a result of that. Out of curiosity, what about, because Katie was saying people who choose to work in this field of addiction did it for a reason. What's your personal reason for working in this field? So it was funny, as we were driving here, you know, you're in San Francisco. So I lived on the streets of San Francisco for seven years as a heroin addict. Uh, I live behind the, the Sunnyside Hotel on 6th Street. I know it. <laughs> uh, and there's a fire escape back there. Yep. Underneath the fire escape, I had my little bomb shelter built back there. And I was uh, in a, I was in the metal business. I would recycle. That was my <laughs> my my gig, you know. And, and so that's what I would do to, to stay loaded. And it took uh, CDC, you know, Department of Corrections, to come in and say, okay, that's probably not the right thing to do. And they had to do that several times before I got an idea that maybe I had a problem and I sought help for that problem. And so through that, in the prison system, uh, I was introduced to Narcotics Anonymous. I went through a, a county-funded treatment program in San Jose that at that time was six months. I was going to say, was it back then and it was in San Jose? Was it anything like uh, Narconon or was it, it one of those... It was a behavioral it, modification types or no, it wasn't. I've oh, been okay. through one of those. Yeah. I had to wear oh, okay. a toilet seat on my head. <gasps> yeah. those yeah. Are, yeah. <laughs> They had a, a, one of the places I went to in San Diego, they put a sign on me and it was a wooden sign that went all the way from my neck to my feet on both sides. And it said on the front, cause I was a very angry addict. And it said, it said when I reached the boiling point and on the back, it says I'm willing to go to the joint and I had wow. to wear that for a day. And so the next day I discharged from that program because I wasn't going to do that again. You know, right. they didn't know what they were talking about. Like Impact House in San Francisco made, I, I saw when I walked right. in, a girl was holding a jar of mud and holding a sign that said one foot in recovery, one foot in the grave. And everybody that walked by, she had to go, do you want to know why I'm holding this? Because <laughs> that, <was, laughs> that was their punishment. And I was just touring the place. My parents were going to make me go there. And I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not coming here. No <laughs> but go ahead. No, so, you know, so through that process, I was introduced to recovery and I thought it would be interesting to to, you know, work in recovery. I, 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 it was something that I loved and it was something that I knew and it was something I had a passion for. And that's what I started doing. I worked in the county system of care for, for many years. And then I met Donna Miller, who is the founder of Lyric Recovery. And her and I uh, sat down and we came up with this idea about offering a, an, an intensive outpatient program uh, that, you know, serviced clients uh, the way we thought 
they needed to be serviced, you know, and that and that's with, you know, dealing with the mind, the body, and the spirit. We have yoga at, at our facility. Clients love yoga. It's <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, gets their blood moving. You yeah. Know, and we and, we, and we, we focus on health, you know, on top of not using. You know, now you you know you have other things that we need to take a look at. You know, uh, you know, seeing a doctor regularly, going to the gym, quitting smoking, maybe. You know, a lot of these things we encourage and we help, and we have resources for that too, at Lyric. You know, so most of the most of the staff at Lyric are in recovery. That's is, see, that's good because the treatment centers I've been through, where you've got a counselor who knows all about it, but like has never done it, and that's your counselor who's basically supposed to be your sponsor, that's right. going over the first three steps with you. It's like. I, you could do a lot of things with somebody and help them, but I think to, to, to work the steps with them, you have to have worked the steps, you know? Right. I think, no, I think that's really great. So, I mean, you're in it because you have experience with it and you know what helped you and now you want to help other people. I get that. I, I that's what I'm doing with this show. That's right. And I can certainly relate to when a, when a client comes in again with the pain. I can relate to the yeah. pain on a level that, you know, they, they can feel it coming from me. Right. You know, they can feel that understanding. Like when you go to your first uh, NA meeting or AA meeting, you know, when you hear somebody else talk about using or, or behaving in the way that, you know, we, we have in the past, I felt refreshed because I felt like I wasn't alone. Yeah. And that's kind of the feeling that they get. And, and just that bond allows them into this process. It, it invites them into this process, which is what we do at Lyric. Yeah, and I think that's a beautiful thing. I think what both of you are doing is really great. I'm so glad that you guys were on the show. Um, one more time, if you if you would like to write in, if you have questions, comments, observation, visitations from God, <laughs> it's Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com, G-O-T-O Productions.com. Uh, you can call or text 415-496-9511 on the Facebook, the Instagram, and the Twitter. It's at Radio Rehab Dana. And as we were talking about last week, hey, um, like and subscribe because that actually really helps us and will make it so that we can go do Radio Rehab in your town on a tour bus and you can be on the show. And I'm looking to go to Boston. <laughs> I just am. I want to do a meeting in Boston. I've got friends in Boston. I really, I just think, the, I think the program would be great there. I'd also like to go to World the World Services Office in, in New York. But these are just ideas that I can't do unless you click that like button and subscribe. <laughs> There's my attic coming out. Okay, so before before we end the show, because we're running out of time, can you guys give people um, a way to contact you guys? Yes. I mean, of course, we'll put that up on the Facebook page, but... If you, uh, if you want to get in touch with me, I encourage you to please call uh, 408-216-9826. Or you can visit visit us on the web at lyricrecoveryservices.com. And Katie. And me. You can call me. It's a cell phone. You can text me. You can send me smoke signals. Basically, 925-667-0637. I have it on me 24 hours a day. And I will respond to you right away. So that's the, probably the fastest and easiest way to get to me. And I trust these people. So if you're in pain and you need help, Please, please, please call because you don't have to do this alone. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're anything like me, stay sober. See you next time. Sex and drugs and rock and roll is all my brain and body need. Sex and drugs and rock and roll.